So in preparation for Malawi, I've um, probably since January been spending a couple times a week or more, um, several hours working on the Sermon on the Mount. I'd preached through it last summer and last fall and thought, well, I kind of want to go after that and just go at it again. And, and I, I've been finding some nuggets that I'd never seen before. And uh, it's just like even got hung up on the first verse. You know, when Jesus sits down to teach, and I'm thinking to myself, um, how often do I get preoccupied with dynamics, you know, and, and animation and humor and all of that? And Jesus, you know, it says in Isaiah 53, there was nothing about his appearance to draw our attention to him. Then he sits down so he's not even moving around. And yet, at the end of that passage, it says he taught with great authority and the people were amazed. So something of the Spirit of God was coming out through his conversation that completely obliterated everything that we often get caught up in. You know, it went beyond that. And the next thing that I, I, I got hung up this week on the term blessed you know, like the Beatitudes, blessed are those. And I went back and looked it up again. I have looked it up before. And usually you'll come up with something like happy are those. And some of the translations have even used that term. And, uh, and yet, that's kind of cheap. Uh, it's, blessed is one of those uh, Christian terms, Right? It gets used so much, and it's so connected that it essentially means nothing after a while. I'm living a blessed life. Well, what does that mean? You know, ah, that was such a blessing. And we say, well, yeah, a good thing happened. And it's almost like it's a lucky thing, but, you know, bless it. we'll put a Christian term on it, and it, you know, that way, because we're not into luck, we're God doing stuff, you know? So that said, I went back and got blown away. Just uh, Baker's Dictionary. It, you go online. I mean, it's all there, right? It, it, there's a brief article, and it goes 600 times in the Old Testament the term blessed is used. Now, to give you some perspective, Lord is used 600 times in the New Testament. You know, and, and that's one of those things where you're studying and you're trying to say, how important is this concept? You, you, at times, will count words. And I remember in the old days with the strong concordance, trying to figure out how many are on each line, and you know, whereas now it's just a click of the button and it's there. So Lord in the Old Testament is 6,000 times, but 600 is a significant use of a term, just so you get that into your thinking. And uh, the thought that consumed me, though, was that most of the terms that are translated that way have this idea to kneel. So you would kneel, and it's as if a hand was being placed on your head, and there was a prayer going forth and a declaration being made over your life. And that's uh, regularly in the Old Testament, you'll see different ones giving blessing. Remember when Jacob uh, stole Esau's blessing. Isaac was to pray over him, and, and then Esau comes in and said, Father, don't you have something for me? You know, he recognized this as an important thing. 
And then later when you have Jacob praying blessing, he switches hands and prays for Joseph's younger son for a greater blessing than the older son, which was unheard of for that thing. But that's what he did. But if you go back and read his prayer over each of his sons, they were very prophetic and those prayers came true. So not, it wasn't just a, well, I wish you well, son. But there was an actual power of God accompanying that prayer. Well, that shouldn't surprise us all much, that much, but here's a couple other definitions before I go on. Public declaration of a favored status with God or blessing endowed power for, us, for prosperity and success. Blessing endowed power for prosperity and success. So, you, you, I just want to track things a little bit. The first time you see blessing in the, in the Old Testament is Genesis chapter 1. God creates humanity and he blesses them, says be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And you're looking at it and going, oh, that's great. He says, you know, do well. Uh, no. He just got done speaking things into being. And so when he speaks over them, do you think it was empty? Do you think that it was just kind of wasted words of, well, have a good life? How can God speak that way? That's not who he is. When he speaks, things happen. And so when he speaks blessing over them, he's making a declaration. And he's calling them to something. And so, you know, inherent in that idea is that God desires to speak well over his creation. And and call them into good... It's, it's amazing we've been on that, this track this morning. I mean, it's, this is a constant theme of what we've had so far, right? Is that an accident or is that the Lord? We didn't rehearse what we were going to share. So what is God speaking to us, so to speak, in this? Noah. God bless Noah. So then be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Again, was that just an empty, well, you survived the flood, have a good life. See you later. It, it can't be. If he's the one that speaks creation and he speaks life, breathes into humanity and, and, and they come to life, what? Who are we to think that it was just a, Foolish statement or superfluous declaration. That's profane. That's not how he functions. When he called out Abraham and said, I want you to go where you haven't been, this term comes out, I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. And I bless those who bless you Dishonor you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So there is going to be 
a well-being, so to speak, coming out of your lives. When, when we chew on this, and, and you know, in the New Testament where Jesus calls us to be salt and light, we say, well, yeah, he wants us to have a positive influence. Well, it's, it's not just, you know, not just a, a look and say, well, yeah, that, they're nice people. But if he is truly working through our lives and developing through us, then he wants things to be taking place that go beyond the normal and go beyond our expectations. And that we have a right to call out and say, what are you speaking? What do you desire? In Deuteronomy, we've been going through the readings, uh, and this book is currently one that we're reading. And, and uh, you know, if you are aware of its writing, Moses is kind of rehearsing what's been and what will be. And so as he's writing it, he says, you were in the wilderness, you didn't lack a thing. I blessed you. In other words, you were in a place where there wasn't much, and yet everything you needed was at hand. He says, I'm taking credit for that. I blessed you. He goes on in the 15th chapter. uh, He says, my desire is to prosper you in such a way that you'll lend to others and you're not going to have to borrow. My desire is that you would rule and not be ruled over. The 28th chapter, he tells them, when you get into the land, you're going to have these two mounts, Gerizim and Ebal, and you're going to rehearse this covenant that I'm making with you. Gerizim, you have the blessings of God Evil, you have the curses. You have the right to choose what you're going to walk into. He says, I'm making a declaration over you. He says, if you will be obedient to me, in other words, if you'll bend your knee and receive the blessing, you know, if you'll submit to my authority, he says, I have incredible things in store. And he starts walking them through in that 28th chapter. He says, blessings shall come upon and overtake you. He says, you're going to be blessed in the city and in the field. Whether you live in the city or in the country, he says, it really doesn't matter. My intent is to bring good into your life. See, that's one of those things that, you know, we wrestle with, does God even care about me? Does he think about me? Does he even have, you know, am I just one of the mass, so to speak? This is one of those passages that speaks against that kind of thought. It speaks that, yes, he is actively involved. And so he says, I don't care where you live, country or field. I'm going to speak this prosperity and success into your life. Now, obviously, you know, we we immediately write it off and say, well, you know, that doesn't mean prosperity like you think. And it doesn't necessarily mean success like you, because we can do that a lot of that on ego. Well, yeah, that's true. But why do you throw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak? Why do, you, why do you toss out the whole promise? You know, get rid of the junk and still embrace that he's desiring to work for your well-being 
and bring that into your life. goes on. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle. This is a, everything that you're involved in, I have a desire to bring good. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. In other words, the things that, that are in use today, I have good intent for that. Give us this day our daily bread. Yeah, I, I have a good intent that way. Blessed you shall be when you come in, and blessed you shall be when you go out. Doesn't matter where you are. I, it's, it's complicated to think of God in that sense, right? Regularly, we get caught up in, I don't live perfect, so why would he touch me this way? There are things that I see that are frailties. I don't remember everything that I want to remember. I don't reason through everything that I want to. I'm not as smart as I would like to be. I don't always get things right. I, you know, I sometimes. And why wouldn't God still want to work through us? He knows who we are. He created us as we are. And so the question is. What is he desiring to do in your life and in mine? Knowing who we are. And are we willing to think that he has good intent? I guess that's the challenge I, I come up with. Because I think oftentimes we see things half empty. And rather than saying all things work together for good, there is good going to come. Um, he says, you're, when you're in conflict, your enemies will be defeated. He says, when you build barns and all that you undertake, uh, that's that long-term planning and, and preparation and storage. It's think, you know, he says, I'm involved in your plans even. He said, the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You ever feel like you're just getting dragged through life? And you have no clue where it's going, but you just know that you're being pulled through? He says, I'd actually like you to be able to see where you're going. You don't, you don't have to be the tail. It's just following the rest of the animal. He says, I, I, I desire to let you see. I, okay, mentioned the Beatitudes. So when I read the Beatitudes, I often read the first half and spend very little energy on the second. Because I, if I can get my heart right, then this can happen. Why not say, if I'm in this position, <laughs> good is going to happen. Doesn't matter what's going on, God has good intent. So when, when I look at it and say, there are times when I feel poor in spirit, when I just, you know, I know that I don't know everything. And I know that I am needful of him. Well, I know that even though I'm in that position, the kingdom of heaven is mine. 
doesn't matter when it's implemented or how, I know it's mine. And even though I might be in a period of mourning or I might be going through things that cause me to feel distraught or I'm looking and saying, I need God in a desperate way, what is going to happen? I will be comforted. It's a beautiful picture, you know, at the end of time when when God is dwelling with humanity in Revelation, at the end of the book, he will wipe away every tear from the eye. He just says, yeah, mourn, but no, that's not the end of the picture. That's not the final picture. Meek. You know, that's that harnessing your power, so to speak, and not forcing things to happen right now, but still with this knowledge that your day will come. Meek will inherit the earth. And you can go on each one that way. And I just, I guess the challenge for me is to say, I need not to just focus on the half empty side, but I need to look at the glass full as well. Because the final picture is of the glass full. It's a beautiful thing. Let's jump over to Romans. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is speaking blessing over our lives, who can undo what God has spoken? If God is speaking life into us, who can bring death? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. So he says, yeah, you might have some condemning voices about your life and speaking things over you that, that are, are vile. He says, what's the final picture? Well, you've got one that's speaking life constantly. He's interceding for you. What more could you ask for? The Son of God interceding on your behalf. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. It's written as, for your sake, we're being killed all day long and are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So he says, yeah, those things go on, but what's the final picture? The final picture is you're a conqueror in Christ. That's the end of the story. I'm sure that neither death nor life, angels or rulers, or things present or things to come, or powers or height or depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Kind of depending on your cultural upbringing or your family heritage, there are times when you're used to speaking things that, that are destructive. Or you're used to thinking, it just doesn't seem to work out for us. But the challenge is to say, what is God speaking? And, and what, is, what would he say? 
I, if you would, I'd like to walk through an activation together. Why don't you close your eyes? If you want to kneel, go ahead, because it's like, okay, I want to hear what God is saying in regards to my life. So, in regard to occupation, now if you're a student, you're in occupational training, right? So let's, let's make that branch wide. And let's say, Lord, do you have something specific to speak into my life as to where this thing should go? Do you have something that you want to speak to me about occupation? What we're, I'm doing or where where I should be. You know, one of the... For some of you moms, this is one of the most complicated things that there is because society's pulling you each direction and you're not sure how much priority should be spent on, say, an occupation outside the home or, or your children or, you know, there's that challenge of, what do you want, Lord? You know, and it's, it's different through Scripture, right? You have some moms that were at home and you have like the Proverbs 31 woman that considers a field and buys it, an entrepreneur for sure. And so, you know, there's that question of, Lord, what are you speaking about my life? Where do you want this to go? And you have a right to ask and say, would you, would you speak blessing in this area? What, what area of development or growth do you want for me in this? And we listen for his voice that speaks life and can't be voided and nullified. And then, you know, it's even like we get really preoccupied with health, right? And we, you know, we're all about recognizing, well, you got to eat good stuff and you got to exercise and you got to sleep. And we aren't really sure what we're supposed to be doing in large regard, but it's still, if God desires for you to walk in health. What, what does that mean, and where is that going? And what would he want to speak to you that says, this is something that you can change that will bring you into a measure of success and prosperity, so to speak, in regard to health? So, Lord, we ask, what, what would you speak to us in this moment? When they... They were building in the city or in the, in the, the country or they're putting up our... What do you want for us in regard to our housing? What, what, you know, if I was kneeling before you, God, and you had your hand on my head, what would you be praying right now or speaking in the way of life, even in regard to housing? I think about creative endeavors. In centuries past, many times it was believers who were the scientists and the artists and the musicians. They were creating because they, it was, some of them would make this declaration, it's like God is causing me to write these things. Why should we give that up? Why would we deny that in this generation? 
And so we say, God, when you want to speak creatively through me, give me an insight as to how you want that done. Some of you are bloggers, and I mean, that's one of the contemporary ways of getting it done, right? So what is God asking you to do? Or if, if, you're, you, know, if you are a musician or an artist, what would, he, what would he speak over you? Place his hand on you and declare. And problem solving, where we're, each of us has things where we're, I, I'm, I, I've got to figure out how to do this. Why not call out? Say, you're the one that speaks life and speaks prosperity, so to speak, and success. So how do I solve this in you? And finance. If your hand is on my head and you're speaking like Jacob spoke over his sons and this is going to happen, well, what, what would you speak over me in regard to finances? And what do I need to know? What do I need to learn? How do I need to grow in this? That your name can be glorified, that I can be salt and light. I didn't get these in order, but relationships. What would you speak over me in regard to my spouse that I could bless their lives? What would you speak over me in regard to my children that I can can move them into well-being? Or that I can pray over them? You know, this morning, guys were praying over me. I'm grabbing my grandson. Saying, God, I want that in his generation. I want that as part of my family. I want that over him. I don't want it just for me. For our friends, you know, what can we speak? When we have conflict, what would God What would God say when he places his hand on us and say, I'm going to make you a victor. You're going to come through this victoriously. So how does that look? What are we going to get done here? And when we look outward and say in the community, there's lots to be done. So what what would you have? What would you speak into my life? that I could bring as a blessing to the community. Abraham, bless those who bless you. You will be a blessing to all nations. He still wants to do that. There's so much in the Spirit that we don't know. And we look, you know, we read through the New Testament and we say, man, my life... My life doesn't look like that in large measure. Or I don't always see things the way that I need to see them. Who's going to bring that insight except God? And so why shouldn't I be able to call out to him and say, speak to me, things of the Spirit. Let me understand the unseen. Give me wisdom as to to how to operate in this day the way you want. Help us not to profane 
your word of blessing over our lives. Help us not to treat it as if it's just a a nice statement, but rather that there's life in your word. Praise to you, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to pray for a corporate blessing in a minute, but a couple things. Dijon, you know, you're reaching out, you're doing what you can to honor God in this moment, so we ask that the doors be blown open for you. No? We speak life into that and ask God to fulfill it. It's my privilege to have Adam with us here today, my oldest son. God's opened the door for him to go to Australia and plant uh, a branch of their company. And many, many years ago, was prayed over his life through a person that we didn't know, but had a prophetic gifting. And he said, you're going to be led into the presence of kings. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those promises we hang on to. This is a step forward toward that thing. Is he chasing it? Well, not in the sense of, you've got to make this happen. No, it just, if God speaks it, we live doing the best that we can, making the choices that we have, and it takes place. It's no accident. It's the hand of God doing things looking for Charlie. Is it a mistake that God's taking him all over the country right now in training? No. No. It's God. For each of us. Each of us. God has a word of life for the setting that we're in. May your blessing rest on these, your people. We don't take that lightly or mean it frivolously. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy your words do not return empty. And now as they go into the community, I ask that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray love you this day now we do have a meal downstairs and I guess there's one other dynamic of application in this that I just want to touch on we had people pray over us earlier and and that's wonderful I I dearly appreciate it I was listening carefully I think some of you would say, I think God wants me to say something of life to someone else. And so in this moment, we say, Lord, speak to us if you want us to bring a word of exhortation or uplift or encouragement or even a prophetic insight to someone else. Put that face in our mind right now so that we can be an agent of your working and carry that out. Bless your name.